When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. We are coming to you on Sunday, June 20th. It is about 1045 Central Time in Chicago, and we are here to discuss a series loss to the Miami Marlins at Wrigley Field. It was the Adam Duvall show on Friday night and Saturday afternoon, but the Cubs are able to pull out a nice, uh, clean-ish 2 to nothing win on Sunday to salvage that one and bring the vibes back around at Wrigley Field. So we will discuss those three games, all the goings-on, and then we will get you ready for a quick two-game set to finish off this homestand at Wrigley Field with the Cleveland Indians on Monday and Tuesday before the Cubs have uh, what I have to imagine is uh, a, a very, uh, an off day that they are all looking forward to there on Wednesday before they head out for another road trip. So Brendan, uh, a nice win on Sunday, good to kind of end the series on a nicer note, but uh, Friday and Saturday, I mean, I, I would have to rack my brain a little bit but though that was probably the worst two games of the year, certainly the worst two back-to-back yeah. games of the year. The first two innings, you're thinking, oh, wow, like he's continuing this stretch, and then the command escapes him. <laughs> and on Saturday, I, I, I wake up, I see the Cubs lineup, and I almost died, yeah. Corey, to have Eric Sogard batting fifth for the first place. Chicago. I, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting pissed off thinking about it even right now. That was bad. And then Jake goes out there and just gets shelled once again. And it's like, oh, my God, like back-to-back losses like this is too much. So it it sucks. At least they rebounded on Sunday. They're still in first place. We still have some positive trends going forward here. But that was a brutal first two games to start this series. Yeah, Friday was, you know, sort of, I mean, clearly, you know, Adam Duvall with the Grand Slam. And, you know, he hits two home runs uh, on both days. Just uh, like I said, yeah. the Adam Duvall show, unfortunately, that uh, I had the pleasure of being in attendance. So that is not what I bought a ticket for, but I ended up at the Adam Duvall show for two days. Um, nice. d- different kind of games. Like Friday, you know, the only Friday night game of the year at Wrigley, getting there, you know, a really fun atmosphere and environment there on Friday night. Um, you know, it's sort of a unique thing, Like right? Like I, you know, I think we've all been to plenty of 120 games. We certainly all watched plenty of 120 games at Wrigley Field. So always interesting to kind of change it up, even if it's just once a year. Um, and, you know, Jock with that leadoff home run to start things off, it, it, it felt right away like, okay, we're back at Wrigley, we're rocking, like, let's have a fun weekend here, here we go, right? And <laughs> wheels fell off the bus, you know, you fall too far behind, and it, it kind of was what it was. Uh, Saturday, however, I, I got to tell you, Brendan, like, I was pretty pissed off about that whole day. Um, you know, Arietta we'll get into, and that's, uh, we, we talked, you know, Brendan broke it down a little bit for us in the last episode. If you didn't listen to that, um, I, I don't know if we're going to get as deep in the weeds again. So if you want to hear some of like the mechanics and some of those insights from Brendan, check out that last episode. Uh, but we will talk about Arietta. But what bothered me, Brendan, was when Ross rolled out what I would refer to as a punt lineup against... DeGrom, right? You didn't know DeGrom was going to get hurt and only go three innings. 
I, mm. I don't really have a problem with it, right? Like, you want to, like, throw in the towel against Jacob deGrom, I really don't care, right? The team is hurt. They haven't had a lot of off days. They're traveling. It's a tough portion of the schedule, whatever, right? Sure. But then just a few days later, I mean, what is that, two or three days later, you roll out another punt lineup, right? On Saturday, you have the, the normal guys up top, Peterson, Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, five through eight, Sogard, Hap, Hayward, and Lobatone. A few days after you just rolled out a lineup like that, to me, I know you have to rest guys. The the Cubs have plenty of guys with, uh, you know, nagging injuries, ailments, bumps and bruises that have pumped up. I get it, right? You want to keep guys fresh. It's a long season. But you're back at home. You know, the Marlins came into this series, I think, nine games under 500. And a few days after you just rolled out kind of a white flag lineup, you do it again. It pissed me off, man. Like, try to win games. The division is really tight. You've got four teams in this division that are separated, I believe, by less than five games. You do not have sole possession of first place anymore after this weekend. What's the deal with a lineup like that? And like you said, like Eric Sogard hitting fifth. Uh, am I on? Am I on drugs, Brendan? Like what? What on earth? I mean, your your five and seven hitters on Saturday, Sogard and Hayward, both sub six hundred OPSs. What are we They're doing two- here? Try to win the game. What are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can see. Okay, I'm not defending it, but maybe Ross is thinking play Hayward a little bit more. Try to get him some uh, opportunities. Okay, I like I I don't like that at this point, but I can see where he's thinking. Uh, so Sogard fifth is unbelievable, crazy. Corey. Really crazy. Un, he's thirty five years old. He hits backhanded uh, tennis balls to the left side of the field, up in the air, pop ups, non stop, and you're batting him fifth. You're in first place, yeah. and you're batting him fifth. And this is listen. That can't happen for, from from Ross's end, but at the same time, Jed, Jed what are you doing? Right. Like, look at what is happening on your team. Yeah. This guy is batting fifth, and you have control over this process. It's, this can't, Corey. This cannot happen again. No. And I'm scared that we're going to be talking about this more. That's the problem here, especially with Matt Duffy, like maybe not coming back anytime soon. Yeah, and you know, for me, like I. You know, sometimes this stuff just happens, matchups, rest days, things like that. But I I need like a better plan process. Call it something. From, yeah, better process yeah. from Ross. Not not just with Sogard hitting fifth, but you also have Alcantara, Wisdom, and Marisnik on the bench that day, and you've chosen Can't this happen. lineup on the day where you're giving Wilson a rest as well. So you're on your like fourth backup catcher because Romine's hurt. Walters is in the minors, and you know now you're on uh, Lobatone, who does not look good. Uh, but that is what it is, right? <laughs> Guys get hurt, like you know they they did not have the depth at backup catcher, which we'll talk about in relation to Wilson. We will. But just like if yeah. you're gonna give Wilson the day off, like get me Marisnik in this lineup, or get me Wisdom in this lineup, or Alcantara in this lineup. But just like after you've already gotten drilled on Friday night to roll out this lineup with that five through eight. Um, especially with how inconsistent Arietta's been, it felt like, you know, Ross was just like, yeah, we might just take an L today. And I don't like that attitude at all. Well, like, I don't even know if he was trying to take the L. Like, maybe he was genuinely trying to put a lineup out no. there while resting the guys that was competitive. Yeah, and if that no. is the case, that— uh, Ross has I'm been— being no, serious, I man. No, I don't think so. He's Ross has been fifth, better. Dude. I don't think he thinks that. I, I I hope not. I have no. I don't I think that no the rest of his managing that reflects that he thinks that Saturday was a good lineup. But I know, but I just have no explanation for it. He batted Hayward six. Like what was it? Like four games yeah. ago, five games ago. So I don't know, man. I don't know either. But uh, let me <laughs> let, let me do uh, a quick the quick yeah, recap, recap of these it. three games, and then we're gonna get into uh, some of the starting pitching from this series because uh, uh, we could probably yell about that lineup on Saturday. And also, you know, it ended up they they got you know 
Ross kind of got the performance that he deserved. I mean, they they looked very sloppy on the field. They dropped a pop-up at one point on the field. Like, you know, it was one of those games where it was like, look, this is not an A lineup, and you got a not an A performance from this lineup. So I don't know what anybody expected, but this is probably what you should have expected. So anyway, uh, again, those first two games, nobody needs to hear very much about, uh, (laughs) but just want to read some of these lines. Zach Davies on Friday, six innings, seven hits, eight earned, three walks, two strikeouts, gave up two bombs. Uh, Those, again, to uh, Adam Duvall. Uh, or excuse me, one was to Adam Duvall, one was to uh, John Birdie. Duvall hit one later off Dan Winkler. Excuse me, I'm getting my Adam Duvall yeah, home runs. I know. Uh, they, there were so they, many of them. Thank you for correcting getting, us there. Thank, thank yeah, you. Yeah, very confused. Um, so that was that. The Cubs got their runs in this one on a Jock Peterson home run, like I said, that led off the game, and his 11th home run in the third inning, his second home run of the game. So Jock showed up on Friday night. Uh, unfortunately, the rest of the offense did not. On Saturday, it was 11-1. to The final on Friday was 10-2, to for those of you counting. On Saturday, it was 11-1. to Jake Arrieta, his eighth loss of the year, ERA up to 5.45. Three innings, six hits, four earned runs, six runs. No walks this time, which is good, but the Marlins traded the walks for just smacking the ball all over the ballpark, so I don't know uh, if that trade-off is necessarily a good one. He does strike out five. Um and the Cubs getting their lone run in this one on Jason Hayward's fifth home run of the year. So on Sunday, uh, a much more enjoyable game. Uh, the Cubs were actually winning this game one to nothing on a passed ball while they were being no hit. So that was kind of fun for a little while. It was their first non-home run run in some time. Uh, so that's good and bad, I guess, however you want to look at that. A little bit of both. Um, the other run in this game coming on a Jock Peterson single that was spurred, uh, started the inning with a Patrick Wisdom 14 pitch at bat, or excuse me, on pitch 15. He ripped a single that was deflected by the shortstop, but it was a hit. It was a very tough play. It was hit very hard for the Cubs' uh, first hit of the game. Got things going. Really incredible at bat. Patrick Wisdom saying after the game how he could really feel the energy at Wrigley Field and the crowd kind of going nuts after every foul ball and keeping the at-bat alive really kind of kept him in it, kept him focused and and really helped him do that. So it's always cool for the guys who are newer to playing for the Cubs and playing at Wrigley Field to kind of articulate their thoughts on like, wow, like that was really awesome to have the crowd behind me in those moments. So uh, that was pretty cool. That was the Cubs' second run. Uh, But where I will, well, the key in this game, Brendan, and and a key in this series, and 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 we'll see going forward. But Alec Mills really stepped up in this game, and we've talked about needing guys to step up, needing guys to take opportunities and make the most of them. And you know, we've certainly seen success at the major league level uh, from Alec Mills before, albeit not all the time that he's been up. But uh, you know, we've certainly seen him do well. He's the most recent Cub to throw a no hitter, of course. Uh, but they needed this start from him after the performances from Davies and Arietta on Friday and Saturday, and just with their rotation and where it's at, Mills goes five innings. Uh, he throws 77 pitches, six hits, no earned runs, no walks, and three strikeouts. He looked really good in this game. It's his third win of the year, and it was a performance that they really, really needed. So a, a much-deserved tip of the cap to Alec Mills for the effort on Sunday. The team needed it, it, and, you know, the offense didn't do that much, so he gave them the chance to win, and they did enough to do it. Uh, following him was the, I mean, just lights out portion of the Cubs bullpen. Uh, Ryan Tapera, his 15th hold, two innings, clean, two strikeouts. Andrew Chafin, his 17th hold, one inning, clean, one strikeout. And Craig Kimbrell, his 20th save, one inning, clean, two strikeouts. Let me read the earned run averages for the uh, three top members of the Chicago Cubs bullpen. Ryan Tapera, 1.82. Andrew Chafin, 1.78. And Craig Kimbrell, 0.61. So 
Brendan, we can transition out of the recap here. Um, huge effort from Alec Mills. Uh, curious what you saw from him and, and just thoughts on that effort on Sunday. But we've we've gone in depth on the bullpen a ton. We don't have to, uh, I think, remind you guys of who these guys are and how good they've been. But Sunday was just another illustration. They got the five innings they wanted out of Mills. You know, he only threw 77 pitches, but he's, you know, because he was hurt and, you know, he's still in that weird kind of getting fully stretched out territory. Um, David Ross was just like, I'm going to turn to my big three and we're going to lock down a two to nothing game. And it's like easy breezy, man. These guys come in and they're mowing guys down a little bit of hard contact, uh, on Tapera and Chafin, but the, you know, the ball's dying in the outfield, Hat making the catches pretty comfortably on a couple of them. But these numbers are outrageous, Brendan, for, for these guys in the bullpen (laughs) and, each one after the other just looks filthier and filthier. Tapera is great, Chafin's great, and Kimbrel is on another planet right now. It it was yeah. it, it, it's it was such a juxtaposition from Friday and Saturday in terms of just the the overall pitching performance because Mills was great and those three guys just come in and it's like yeah this game is over. That's what it always feels like when they come in. I've never felt this way about a bullpen. And you mentioned Tapera, you mentioned Chafin and, and Campbell, and those are like the big three to lock it down. But then you think even before that, where you have Keegan Thompson come in, or you have Justin Steele when he's healthy, or you have Tommy Nance, although I know some of the issues with spin rays come up, but he's still like, you know, he's an option at this point. It's such a deep bullpen. And as, in terms of like Kimbrell, when he's pumping 99 like that, with that 87 knuckle curve, I, I don't understand how anyone can can hit that. Uh, the pitching ninja posted an overlay of that 99-mile-per-hour curve or uh, fastball with that 87 curveball and that release point. And it's like, man, th- this is the best Cubs closer I've ever seen. And every time he comes in, you just know you're going to get the nastiest stuff. And the most, the most encouraging part about this like last two-week stretch is is across the league, you have spin rates dropping, like insanely dropping. All the pitchers are complaining about it. Garrett Cole was almost crying in one of his interviews, uh, pleading to change some of these rules. You have Tyler Glass now saying the same thing about two weeks ago, even claiming that might have contributed to his injury. So the, like, the, the biggest pitchers in the league are having issues right now, but the Cubs across their bullpen, no differences in spin rate, no differences in in command. Velocity's been fine, even though it's not going to be influenced by uh, this the spider attack per se, but this is all suggesting that this whole new rule change may affect a huge proportion of these bullpens, not the Cubs. The Cubs are at an advantage here, and not Kimbrell, not Winkler, not DePera, not Chafin, and those right now are your four top guys in six, seventh, eighth, nine innings. So in one sense, you have like one of the better Cubs bullpens in the league. Now you have other guys across the league who are getting worse because of that sticky stuff. So that that's that's good to see. Uh, Mills. 77 pitches in his most recent start is getting more stretched out. Command, awesome, Corey. I think that's the biggest standout for Alec Mills. It's just he's locating everything. And I don't know if this is a trend necessarily that's significant, but one pitch he is using more this year is his slider, at least in his last two outings. He threw a slider 15% of his pitches in his uh, outing against the Mets uh, last week, this outing, he threw 17 sliders, 22% of his 77 pitches. That's a trend, maybe, because last year he threw that pitch about 10% of the time. So at least in the first two starts back, he's throwing it uh, about uh, 80% more than what we've seen in years past. And he's getting whiffs on the pitch. He got three whiffs with his sliders today. It was his second most used pitch behind his sinker. And when you showcase that slider with a super slow curve that sometimes is around 65 to 70 miles per hour, you can imagine how it's kind of difficult for batters to pick that up right away when they see that type of like spin. And maybe the curveball is a little bit better because of that. Mills is important for this team because of the depth, but when he's also 
really good, maybe you know, average to slightly above league average, as he is even better, especially when we consider some of the issues with Jake, Zach Davies, bad start, unfortunate, really disappointing. Trevor Williams, we'll see what happens when he comes back, but it's imperative to have another guy step up. And they just DFA'd stock, which I'm a you know, I'm a little confused about. There's mm-hmm. just gotta be a process there. And they DFA Tyson Miller, I think it was like three or four weeks ago. So the pitching depth, at least in AAA, you lost two guys there. And it's not to say those guys were inevitable starters for the Cubs or integral parts of this team for 2021, but they were depth. And at least from my point of view as a fan, it's nice to have options internally in case something crazy happens. But Mills, so far, pitching this well, it it limits some of the anxiety in that regard. Yeah, so stock, I would assume they're hoping to pass through waivers with... You never know. No, of course not. But, you know, I I guess they're hoping that with how many, you know, with how that start went the other day, that maybe they can pass him through. We'll see. Tyson Miller was actually, I think, picked up by the Rangers and then DFA'd again. So, uh, rough stretch for him. Hope he can, you know, hang in there and and find uh, a different place to catch on with. I'm assuming it won't be the Cubs, but somewhere, because, you know, he's always seemed like a good guy. Um, With Mills, the only thing I wanted to add, um, you know, really, like, the key for me, Mills is who he is, right? You know, he doesn't throw hard. He's, uh, you know, obviously doesn't have overpowering stuff. You're not going to expect him to be uh, a top-of-the-rotation piece. We've certainly seen, you know, a a few of those games where he doesn't have the command. He gets hit real hard, et cetera, right? We know who he is, but... uh, this team right now needs guys to go out and deliver them solid outings. If he were more stretched out... At least out, four or five innings. Yeah. yeah. If he were more stretched out, easily could have gone out there and, you know, assuming the sixth inning went well, probably gotten himself a quality start on Sunday. Uh, but the key for me, right, especially with where this rotation is, no walks and eight ground balls to three flyouts. Mills is a guy with his stuff very, you know, susceptible to getting those balls on the ground. And on Sunday, he had Javi and Alcantara out there in the middle infield. Javi made a couple of plays that, I mean, seriously, like you just sit there and go, wow, like, (laughs) oh, you know, like you're just like taken aback. Like, what did I just see? Um, And you just love to see it, right? And I think Mills knows this. Obviously, it's it's how he pitches. It, it is what works best with the types of pitches that he has, the velo that he has to try to get guys to beat the ball into the ground. Uh, but to see him do it after the Marlins had been rocketing the ball all over the ballpark the previous two days and just trust the defense behind you, right? You've got a really, really good infield behind you and, you know, Alcantara is new, but like it's pretty safe to say you've got a pretty elite like middle infield. And Mills was letting him do the work, right? Get the Marlins to put the ball on the ground, let your fielders do the work. So, really, really solid stuff uh, from Alec Mills. And, you know, I think at the very least, like especially with what's going on, like he's earned himself another look here. It's, it's, and, you know, you also, have to commend Mills for being flexible in all this. And he talked about this, I think, earlier in the year uh, when he wasn't in the rotation about being disappointed that he wasn't in the rotation. He wants to be a starter. He wants to be contributing in the rotation. But if that's what the team needed, then he's going to take the role and and try to do his best. Um, So, you know, just commending him for having that team attitude because the team needs it. He was willing to be uh, a relief guy, a long relief guy, whatever. He's hopped in there for some spot starts, had an injury, you know, worked his way back and, you know, has gotten himself an opportunity here. So I don't know exactly the role he's going to play going forward here, uh, but you need guys like this. And he deserved, you know, the outing that he threw on Sunday. The team needed it. And just, uh, like I said, a tip of the cap to Alec Mills yeah, uh, for Sunday. So let's let's just do it right um we we broke down a little bit you did i i don't you know i don't know what i'm talking about but um yeah we know you broke down a little bit of arietta in terms of the sequencing the repertoire the release point (laughs) this is difficult because i know like we all love jake and and brendan in particular loves jake and jake has a, a very uh important 
legacy in in the Chicago Cubs organization and for the 2016 Chicago Cubs that won the World Series, his performance in 2015. But I'm going to, you can dig into what you saw on Saturday if you want, Brendan, but I'm just talking about this specific team. We've been talking about length. We've been talking about the inconsistency in the rotation. The offense ebbs and flows. We just know this. They've got some guys out, so they've reverted a bit back to being home run dependent and, you know, not as clutch and and things like that. We've seen this before. You need guys to get healthy. We kind of know maybe what some of the solutions might be on offense. But as as far as the pitching, this has been pretty much since day one, this inconsistency throughout the rotation. Some of it has stabilized. Some of it has not. Arietta three innings, again, on Saturday, I think the Marlins had uh, around 10 or more batted balls in that short outing that were 100 miles an hour off the bat or more. It was it was bad, and it's uh, been bad for, you know, a decent amount of time here. Um, reading the, just the innings since May 19th against Washington, five innings, five innings, three and two-thirds, two, five, five, three, getting us to Saturday. Bluntly, Brendan, how, how, how much longer can you keep trotting him out there? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, if the rotation as a group was stable, I would say the possibility of him exiting the rotation would be faster. But when you look around and you're, you're hoping that Alec Mills can get you through five innings, I don't know if you have any other choice at, at this point. Um, but to ride it out and hopefully he can adjust. <sighs> but I mean... Like I don't like last episode we talked about it, but I don't I don't see things changing for him. It's he gave up two home runs, one of which was on a a, a low a low fastball, Corey. And this is something that we've harped on only because across the team they're the ones throwing sinkers up in the zone. This is Tommy Ottavi and Craig Breslow's nudging, and so I'm confused on why this is not happening for Jake. Um, like Braylon Marquez developed a sinker, Alec Mills throws sinkers up in his zone. Zach Davies has been throwing sinkers up in his zone like crazy this year. Kyle Hendricks, Adbert Alzelay's career was turned around because he was throwing sliders uh, sinkers up in his zone. So I just don't, I don't get the process with with Jake compared to the rest of the, the well. Pitchers. And so and, and seemed, not that yeah. not that you would have the answer here. Sorry to interrupt you. And and I you know you don't talk to Jake as much as you would like to. Um, but what do you what do you make of that? Because we've seen, I know you've talked about this before, where you know the Cubs had kind of done some of that stuff, even though it was not necessarily what other teams were doing. And clearly, Tommy Hadovy and the pitching infrastructure have you know certain things that they like to do, certain things they like to try and teach, and are willing to do. But it doesn't seem to, it seems right. to happen with a lot of the guys it's you not, just listed, but not right. Jake's. Do you think it's stubbornness? Like, what would you even guess is happening? Here? How right? I mean, how are we how are we supposed to know? I'm not going to call Jake stubborn. We have no idea what the process is. But like, in, in, an example, Corey, you're at the game. You saw Adam Duvall crush a pitch off Arietta. Look at the replay. That pitch is not poorly located in terms of intent. Jake is trying to throw a backdoor sinker. And he basically hits the border of the zone. It's just Duvall hits it. That's and that's the problem. And Jake was throwing 93 on average on Saturday. That was his highest velo of the year by far. So it's not as if his stuff is like that bad. I mean, if you're gonna average a 93 mile per hour sinker, that's good, man. You have like five other pitches to go with it. So to, to answer your question, like, is he being stubborn? I I don't know. Like when 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 he was signed, Hadavi had a press conference talking about Jake, and Hadavi said when Jake is crossfire, and he has his fastball down and away working, then he can elevate up. And he and I I remember like showing this to him like, hey, look, they're they're gonna do it. This is this is gonna happen because I was all excited about it. That it hasn't happened, and so maybe it's because Jake is not comfortable with darting those low and outside sinkers yet and he's trying to work on that Mm -hmm. and then the next step is elevating i have no idea but what we know is that when jake is on the mound next it will be his last start in june Corey, 
th- this it's getting too it's late. late. The yeah. process it is late. The process that that he's been using, I don't you know, Hadavi's been awesome, right? I'm not gonna say anything negative about the guy at this point, but the process maybe even up top has to has to change a little bit if we're being honest. Because the rotation needs Jake's seven million dollars to translate into value, especially when Davies is maybe not right there yet, although he's showing glimpses here and there. I I I, I don't know. And part of me wonders when they did sign him. And we'll never know the answer, but part of me wonders if they assumed they could get Jake back to that crossfire action where he's standing close to the third base side of the rubber where he's throwing across his body like crazy, even though his velo is not what it used to be in 2016 and 2015. But my hope was the mechanics would somewhat mirror that. And then when you hear that he's not physically capable of doing that, I wonder why did did they know this before they signed him? Like, you know, six and a half million with their restricted budget was a lot for Jake Arrieta. And I wonder would they have given that to him had they known he's not physically capable of doing something mechanically that sounded as if they were excited to see in spring training. So, look, man, this sucks, man. I, I, I was, I, it, it sucks to see Jake struggle and it sucks to see it because by age 35 years old, maybe he's, we know he's not there mechanically, but also sucks too, because I still feel as if even with these physical limitations, that you can make it work somehow. And that's the confusing part. I hope the process changes, right? Like I think at this point, Jake may have no other option but to try to change things up. And for me, that's my last hope. And if you're still not going to see anything change, and if you get Zach Davies regulated, and you get Adbear back, I, I mean, even with his pitch limitations, I, I I don't know. I don't see how you can take him out yet, but if the rotation stabilizes, I do think you have to be honest with yourself. I, you know, we're not in the front office. We don't have all the answers, you know, especially for like, you know, the the most obvious question is, okay, you move, it doesn't even matter who, you move somebody out of the rotation, who's taking the innings, right? Yeah, um, we, have no one, we have no one right, right. now. Right, you're, you're waiting on Alzali to come back, you're waiting on Trevor Williams to come back, um, you know, you've tried... You know, you had Corey Abbott up, but they just sent him back down. You've tried Keegan Thompson, you know, and, and you know, at this point now, you know, Thompson isn't necessarily stretched out right away to be uh, a starter. He's been doing long relief. Um, so it's, it's complicated. But what is not complicated is that they, they have to address the rotation. You can't keep doing this. And it's it's not necessarily just Jake. You know, Davies has had his bouts of inconsistency as well. You've had other guys missing time. But this is way too many short outings from Arietta in particular, right? It's, it's easiest to focus on him because he's out there, right? You know, uh, Trevor Williams is out. Like, we'll see what happens when he gets back. Alec Mills was good on Sunday, and you weren't even planning to have him in the rotation. So, like, you know, there's there's not much to do there. Davies has had, had a nice stretch of a few starts. So, you know, I don't think you want to go all in on freaking out again after Friday. Um, I I, you know, I think with Davies, like, you just are going to have to kind of take the good with the bad. It just sort of seems like where we're at. Again, you know, similar to what you just said about Arietta, uh, Brendan, like, you know, it's, we're getting to the end of June, right? So, like, I, I think we all hoped that Davies would be better and more consistent, but, you know, maybe that's just you're going to get some really solid starts and there's going to be a clunker, some solid ones, and it is what it is. But this is way too many outings where Arietta is going two innings, three innings, four innings. It is killing this team, right? It, it just can't go on any longer. And I I don't know if Jed is looking at the starting pitching market even, you know, we're about a month ahead of the trade deadline, you know, trying to jump that and just like, dude, they need someone. They don't even have to be great, but they need somebody that can throw six innings on a regular basis and not give up 10 runs while doing it. And it's such a low bar right now, but this is just way too often from Jake. I love the dude and I liked the signing. And I think what we saw in some of those early outings, they were, you know, again, you know, some of those starts were against the Pirates, whatever. 
Uh, but results-wise, it was like, yeah, this is fine, right? Like, it's, it looks, the command is a little all over the place. You know, certainly, like, we know we're not getting 2015 Jake Arrieta, whatever. But it it's all gone the wrong direction. And, you know, when I listen to you tell me that there, I'm not really sure what the optimism is that it's going to flip a switch <laughs> at some point, it's hard for me to have that. Um, so... Like I said, we know the deal with the offense, right? Some of these guys are inconsistent. They've got some of the key contact guys, some of the key guys that differentiated that lineup. Uh, you know, Mariznick just came back, is not playing every day. Duffy's out, dealing with the back thing. The progress is kind of stalled, not sure when he's going to be back. Nico, hopefully on a rehab assignment in about a week, so that is progressing well, but he's still not here. So we know the deal with the offense, right? And I'm I'm only saying that because when I'm we're talking about the rotation, some people are obviously going to say the Cubs scored two runs or less in all three of these games, right? So it's not just the starting rotation, correct? But we know the deal with the offense. We've seen part of this movie before, and the new additions to the cast have not been here. I bring that up because I know people are going to be like, the Cubs scored two runs or less in every game in this series. So it's it's not just the pitching. Yes, of course. But we, we have an idea of what should make that, I don't want to say fixed, but better or closer to fixed, right? Something like that. With the rotation, I don't have those answers, but we don't have necessarily, you'll get Alzali back, but you know, he's young and he might be on an innings limit. You can't count on him to come back and, oh, okay, great. Like we've got a number two back and we can count on him until November, right? If they, if they go deep in the playoffs, Trevor Williams, not sure. He had his fair share of short starts and bad starts. And so we'll see, right? They have to address this and it has to get better. And I, it's tough for me to sit here and say something like, that's it for Arietta get rid of him or phantom ILM or anything like that. But he's got eight losses on the year, and this is way too many outings where by the second or third inning, it's non-competitive, the game is out of hand, and you're making, you know, if you're Ross, you're making a decision between do I want to let Arietta wear this or am I just kind of done with this for the day? It's just happened too frequently, and it just can't happen anymore. They can't win with the rotation as it is. They cannot win with Arietta pitching like this. They've survived to this point for a lot of different reasons, mainly the bullpen. Like, those guys have bailed them out so many times because they have come in, and I mean, they did it on Sunday. Mills gave you what you wanted in the five innings. That's not on him that it wasn't longer than that. But they've won a lot of games because David Ross has been able to say, here comes my bullpen. This game is over. I don't care how long the starter went. But you can't do it every day, and we keep banging this drum. But if this keeps happening, you're not going to be able to rely on this bullpen like this because you're going to blow some of these guys out. It's just inevitable, right? Like Tapera, Chafin, Kimbrell, it's lights out, but you can't do it every day, and you can't expect it to work every day. So... I, if there was a a better option, right, if they felt confident that Keegan Thompson can make a start, he can get himself stretched out to five or six innings, seven innings, soonish, right, I would probably consider, you know, finding something to put Arietta on the IL with, maybe work with him in the pens, get him into the pitch lab, try to see what you can do there. Um, but the 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 short of it right like I it, I don't get paid to figure this stuff out but what I'll tell you definitively is you can't keep doing this you just can't keep doing this it's every fifth day it's I I, I don't want to say you're chalking it up for a loss but you're just preparing for a long day and you just can't keep doing it like the the team is not built for this it's just not so yeah. I, I, and we have the trade deadline coming up too. It's not as if to say, hey, there's no other options. Like there, there could be options in three weeks, right? So it's even more important if if they want to feel as if Jake is part of this team for him to do it now. Like he may only have two, three more opportunities until Jed seriously considers right. 
supplementing the rotation with some stability, Corey. Well, and, and just long term, you know, whether you want to make a decision on these things now or you're kind of, if you're Jed, surveying the market and, and trying to like put it all together, the like I said, the one thing I can for sure tell you is that like at this moment, you cannot possibly have confidence in this rotation as it stands to carry you yeah. to a division title and make their way through the playoffs, right? They're, they're going to burn out. You, the, you, the you have to address this in some way because there's just not something that you're looking at going like, no, 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 like Arietta's got to do this and this and, and it's going to get more consistent, whatever. There, there's just not something that is kind of giving you that indication. And so you, you don't need to go out and necessarily get someone like Max Scherzer, right? Like that's going to be a name that everybody wants. I mean, that would be nice. You know, like you don't need to necessarily go out and get uh, a top tier guy. You don't need to go out and get someone where you're effectively like replacing you Darvish, right? Just to... What about John Lester? Well, yeah, let's don't, I don't want to get even more heated do, than I, I am. I can't do that to you. I know, I'm sorry. Guys, I, I, I tweeted something to this, so I'm stealing my own, you know, bit. But I, I, I'm i totally fine that John has a 3-9 ERA and was really good, uh, you know, through six-plus innings last night against the Mets. I'm totally fine. Like, that's fine. It's great that he's doing that for another yeah, it's, team it's while fine. we're talking about yeah, pitching sure. depth and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> the Cubs don't need a guy with a sub-4 ERA no. to be in the rotation. Come on. Of course they don't need that, right? I'm totally fine about it. It doesn't bother me. I'm not projecting at all right now, Brendan, and I'm totally fine with it. It, it doesn't bother me. Have I, have I made it clear that it doesn't bother me? Have you, have you thought about a potential return, or is that just like you can't do that to your brain? No, I can't do it. I, can't. I mean, I can't I know, tease sorry. myself. With even that. me, met, even me saying the possibility, like, I, like I feel bad for bringing it up. But yeah. you know, it. it but God. yeah, it's it's incredibly frustrating <laughs> watching him kind of put out a performance that's like it's not great by any means, right? But it's like something that the Cubs could really use at the moment. So, I I don't have the solutions, and you know, like I, I'm not like standing outside of Wrigley Field, you know, with a sign that says DFA Arietta right now. But you can't like look, Jake, I love you, man, but you can't keep going out there and giving us three innings and putting the team in such a hole that they can't dig themselves out of. It's just not a tenable situation that they're in right now. So it's tough. Uh they're they're gonna have to really like look inward and make some tough decisions. And it's and it's, you know, this is one of the things with reunions like this, right, man? Like you, we were all excited for Jake to be back and to have him back in Cubs blue and be able to cheer for him again and, and give him ovations and things like that and see him succeed at earlier points in the season. But this is the danger, man. This is not, this is not 2015 Jake Arrieta. And, you know, now you're kind of staring some potentially difficult decisions, potentially difficult conversations in the face, because that is ultimately as it looks, probably what's better for the team so something to keep in mind it it just sort of is what it is I think the conclusion that we're all reaching though however they want to fix it they have to address the rotation because this just isn't cutting it too many short outings too many bad outings too many clunkers and you're you are seriously threatening on a daily basis what has been the best part of your team which is the bullpen by how just inconsistent and bad this rotation has been on the whole right too often throughout this season so that's where we're at with that switching to the offense like I said Nico Horner doing some work they had some video of him on the field at Wrigley Field you know running with some heavy weighted bags on his shoulders and stuff so he's progressing as we've said many times really thrilled just to even see that because the injury when it first happened everybody thinks the worst and you're never sure especially with hamstrings and stuff like that Um, but he's out there he's doing pretty intense you know baseball activity stuff so that's good news he's progressing Uh, I think um, Tony Andraki with Marquis said hopefully a rehab stint is within a week or so so you know he's working his way back that would be huge for this lineup, get some more contact back in there. Um, But a couple guys that I want to touch on that I'm not sure we uh, touch on all the time. First, uh, let's talk about Ian Happ. So Mm. Happ is is a really curious 
case. Um, when we were at the beginning of the episode tonight, you know, talking about that lineup on Saturday, the two things that pissed us off the most, of course, Eric Sogard hitting fifth, which is an affront to humanity, uh, and Jason Hayward hitting seventh, and kind of the level of playing time that Jason has gotten with his 560 OPS, which, as I clarified last time, just so you guys know, is worse than Sogard's. His average is worse. His OPS is worse. He's performed worse than Sogard, right? We're not just piling on one person here, okay? Um, and the defense is not rating at an elite level, not even close. So that's all very problematic. It's not great. But that, we kind of know the deal. It's bad, right? Both of those guys have been bad. The situation is bad. Uh, Hap, I want to talk about because his numbers aren't good. Um, He had better numbers in May, you know, obviously dealt with the injury, the collision with Nico. So, you know, something to consider there when a guy gets bashed in the head. Um, But hitting 180, uh, 181, or excuse me, after um, Sunday's game, hitting 184 with a 639 OPS. And part of the reason that I want to discuss him in more detail than those other two is Hap is young. Hap has a a few years more, several years more, uh, you know, cost-effective and, you know, part of the potential future of this team. We saw him in the beginning of the 2020 season, you know, through about a month of of that season in pretty solid conversation to be an MVP in the National League. Um, You know, but now in 2021, sitting here with about a 289 uh, WOBA, an 83 WRC+, you know, so a, a pretty healthy bit below the league average of 100. Um, You know, he's got eight home runs, has driven in 18 runs. Um, Walk rate looks pretty normal for him. It's almost at about 13%. The K rate is at about 29%, which is higher than it was in 2020 and 2019, but not wildly higher and certainly not uh, where it's been at his highest in his career, which was about 36% in 2018. So, I, I'm just curious what you're seeing from Hap here, because when I read like a lot of the replies to the Cubs when they put out the lineups on social media, Hap gets put in there by a lot of fans. Um, and I, you know, I don't know if these are casual fans, dedicated fans, you know, and who has the right answers, right? Who decides who's a smart fan or a dumb fan? I, you know, I don't know. Do whatever you want. But he gets roped in there with Hayward and Sogard in a lot of these comments. A lot of the comments, if you go through them, are get Hap, Hayward, and Sogard out of there. These guys stink. What is Ross doing starting Ian Hap every day? Blah, 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 stuff like that. And unlike Sogard and Hayward, like, he's not old. He's not expensive like Hayward. He's not, you know, um, uh, old, you know, washed up, bad career veteran like Eric Sogard. He's 26 years old. Uh, He's making $4 million this year, Uh, you know, arbitration eligible in 2022. He's, you know, under contract with this team for a few years now, right? Um, So I, it's just a confusing case because we've seen such bursts from him where very promising player and for a lot of his career the floor was very solid outfielder and producer for the age and the cost um but it's been a a bit of a struggle for him and the overall numbers Mm. in 2021 are not good brendan so what are we what are we seeing what are we looking at in terms of the underlying data to either be optimistic, pessimistic, or just kind of throwing our hands up and being like, I don't know what to make of this guy. I I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I mean, the biggest difference in 2021 versus last year is that last year Hap hit fastballs. I mean, he had positive run value against fastballs and he was driving the ball gap to gap over the fence for the majority of that shortened season. This, this year... I don't really get it. Uh, he's sixth worst in Major League Baseball against fastballs, and that's 
both on four seams and sinkers, and he's, uh, of course, negative value in, in both those sinkers and four seamers. Also, second on that list in terms of the worst in the league is Javi. That's a discussion for a different day, but, you know, throwing it out there. So I don't I don't get what's going on with Hap. The, the thought came to me, well, if he's bad against fastballs this year, I wonder if pitchers started figuring that out last year. So if you go back to 2020, it wasn't happening. So as the year went along, Hap saw fewer fastballs. So it wasn't a continuation of a 2020 problem. It's a new problem. And I'm not sure what the solution is. And not, nothing's really obvious. The plate discipline, it's fine. Contact rate, you know, not drastically different than what we've seen in years past. His contact rate is 70%. It's pretty good. Zone contact rate, below league average, outside uh, the zone contact rate, also below league average, but up from last year. So if anything, maybe he's making a little bit more contact and worse pitches. But to, to me, that's not explaining what we're seeing when we, when we watch these games. Other weird numbers that just don't make sense is that his hard hit rate is in the 77th percentile. So 77% of batters have weaker contact. But at the same time, Hap's expected batting average is worse than 92% of the league. So in one sense, yeah, you're hitting the ball hard, but you're not hitting those pitches at areas of the field that give you base hits. And now we talk, you know, we heard all throughout April and early May before he was injured that, hey, Hap's expected weight on base average is among the best. Well, now it's actually worse than 70% of the league. So that's no longer an explanation of what we're seeing in terms of these deflated numbers. So yeah, maybe he's hitting the ball hard, great, but it's just not it's not gap to gap. It's not going in areas that are giving you base hit potential. And he's not hitting fastballs. In fact, he's among the worst in the league against fastballs. So why is that? No, no idea. But that's what we're seeing. Corey, it is kind of disappointing. Like I I like Hap, right? It, it, it is disappointing to be talking about this, though, for the fifth consecutive season. Um, in some sense, it feels like Hap is still young, and he's not part of this core in terms of like the, the age. But, you know, this is his fifth season on a major league roster. And we, we went through something similar with Schwarber. And he's, you know, Schwarber's doing the same up and down thing, even with Washington this year. I know he had three home runs, but like, you know... It's it's the up and down inconsistent stretch. I don't know what's going on. The mechanics are changing nonstop, and I'm just like exhausted of doing yeah. this consistently. So I, truthfully, I don't know. We've seen him good so much in years past in different months. I just don't know what's going on. Yeah, it's and I mean he's he's a, a particularly like first of all I agree with you on the consistency and and you know certainly that's been kind of uh, a buzzword for a lot of the guys that have come up with the Cubs and you know it's more of a lack thereof right and you just want that it you you, you want some of these guys to just be able to pencil them in for certain stat lines and expectations and not really deal with this on a yearly basis. Hap is a particularly confounding case because, you know, you he comes up in 2017, his first, uh, you know, appearance in, in the majors, uh, 2019 through 2021, all less than 60 games, right, for different reasons. And, you know, obviously 2020 was the shortened season. Um, but, you know, it, it's not as though he's playing 150 games for the last five years, right? And his overall line as a major leaguer, uh, 238 average, which isn't great, but that's not what, you know, he's not an average hitter. Uh, 337 on base percentage, 460 slugging percentage, you know, so a 797 OPS. If I did that math right, you guys will tell me afterward. Uh, 338 Woba and a 111 WRC plus. So, you know, an above the average, above league average hitter. Um, you know, was worth all you know one and a half to two wins in those first four seasons in the league in 2020. It was only uh, 57 games, and he was almost a two-win player. Um, but 
then you just get these stretches, right, where it just isn't good. And, you know, similar to some of these other guys, it's only been uh, 224 plate appearances so far in 2021. But, you know, hitting 184 uh, with a, you know, sub 670 OPS and an 83 WRC plus, so, you know, a below league average hitter. And, you know, we knew he was never going to be, um, you know, he's not going to be Willie Mays out there in the outfield, right? But still at times looks very raw as a center fielder. You know, the routes are are not great at times. Uh, and he has made some strides there that wasn't his natural position. And of course, I, uh, you know, along with a lot of other people, give him a lot of credit for the versatility and moving around the field and stuff like that. However, you know, this is where he's been for a few years now. And it's, you know, still there's those moments where you're like, okay, need to like clean parts of this up in center field. So it's all just to say, like, my, my ultimate conclusion on Hap, I don't I can't tell you, you know, I couldn't predict the future for him, um, but I, I really wanted to dig into that because I think he, he gets lumped in with those other guys too much, right? He's 26. You don't necessarily have to believe that he's going to be the, the cornerstone of this next great Cubs team, and I think with the inconsistency, like, I don't think that, right? But to you know, want him gone or give up on him or things like that. I think that's the wrong, the wrong attitude. And and too many people are lumping him in with guys who actually shouldn't be playing and have like no value to the organization or future value of the organization. Hap, for a guy who is 26 and a career above league average hitter, right, with some pop and has shown you flashes that he can give you those stretches that are like really, really hot. He can go on some real heaters, right? It's worth working through some of this stuff and trying to develop it. Now, with where the offense is, the injuries, and, you know, the the, the offense being back to this kind of home run or bus dependent thing, struggling to put up multiple runs in games and things like that, not a great time for this, right? So I get the sort of frustration, and when guys get healthy, and if Mariznick is playing well, and Wisdom is still playing well, you know, yeah, like I see the argument for Hap maybe being on the outs a little bit in terms of just getting that everyday playing time. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a confusing case, but I, I think patience with him relative to some of these other guys is warranted, Brendan. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know. It's, it's just frustrating, right? Like, that's the thing. It's like, you still at this point after five years just want to see some semblance of consistency. Yeah, absolutely. And when you're going, when you're going through another stretch in June of some lackadaisical offense, it's... It's just frustrating. I mean, I'm still confident that he can still turn it no, around. And, and um, you don't, like, it's, especially after the way 2020 started for him, it's it's frustrating and, you know, disappointing, whatever word you want to use, to kind of still be sitting here now in June of 2021 and asking, yeah, same discussion. who is this guy? Who right. is he? What kind of yeah. player is he? Like, what are we looking at with him? And I and I don't really know. And yeah, maybe well, that's I mean, the we, answer. Yeah, and... I, it's not to compare him to Schwarber because they're different hitters and different profiles, but it just reminds me of the Schwarber situation where you get so excited at times, and then you know for whatever reason he just it goes the other way, and it's it's puzzling. But uh, that that look that's where we are. He's gonna get opportunities. Uh, the power's still there. The play discipline is still there, as it was for Schwarber. So you just gotta hope that things fall through and he hits his apex as he did in early 2020. All right, uh, so, Corey, we have a two-game set against Cleveland. Cleveland, this time, comes back to Wrigley Field. And first game is Monday, a 7.05 p.m. Central start time. As I'm scrolling through Twitter and getting some of these pitching matchups, it, this, a storm in Chicago is looking absolutely insane. So uh, stay stay safe out there. I'm fine. Uh, you Bear, don't have to who, worry about me, Brennan. Yeah, uh, you know, I, was I know you meant me you, specifically. Only, only, yeah. only you. You know, recording through a, a tornado. Good for you, Corey. That's that's commitment right right, right there. Um, so Adbers on the mound uh, tomorrow on the year. 
He's 4-5, and five, a 4.06 ERA. His first start since coming back from that blister. Again, he just tweeted out five minutes ago. Looks like he's in the hotel next to Wrigley. Uh, looks like he's scared, so I can I can see why. Get some rest Adbear on the mound. For Cleveland will be Aaron Savali. He is destroying the lead this year, Savali. He's 10-2 and two with a 3.48 record. And then on... Tuesday to finish off this quick set, we have Eli Morgan on the mound for Cleveland, a young 25-year-old starter on the year. Not many opportunities, an 0-1 record, a 12.79 ERA. Just, you know, got shelled in a few outings. We have Kyle Hendricks on the mound for the Cubs. Kyle on the year, nine wins, four losses, a 4.13 record. Looking to come off a good start against the Mets. Keep it going. Cubs do have an off day on Wednesday. Then they travel, unfortunately, back out to the West Coast. Unfortunately, to Los Angeles, I will be going to at least one of those games. Uh, Unfortunately for me as well, I hate going to Dodger Stadium. Absolutely hate it. The worst fans in the world. No questions asked. Uh, But this is all to say, you know, do business against the Indians here. Uh, Hopefully, Adbear can go... A little bit deeper, but look for that pitch limit. I don't know what it's going to be. Maybe it'll only be like 50, 60 pitches, kind of like what they did with Alec Mills when he came back. That's a trend worth monitoring. And then if that is the case, you got to hope that Kyle comes back on Tuesday and does what he did against the Mets last weekend and just take care of business and go deep and get this team back to L.A. Yeah, so we need, like, look, we've said this before, but like, we need Kyle to be that dude, right? Like, we just need that to keep going. That's the role that he's in right now. Uh, I don't know if that's what he signed up for, but that's that's what we need. We need him to be the ace. We need him to be uh, a stopper of sorts and sort of give that stability to the rotation. will be exciting to see Edward back out there. I'm sure he's been chomping at the bit uh, to get back out there. And, you know, him looking... Uh, like he has at certain points of this season would certainly do a lot to calm you know some of these concerns with the rotation at least for a couple days then they get that off day so uh you know a lot of uh pressure I guess on those two guys to sort of stabilize this rotation a little bit um other than that you know just keep keep trying to win I'm hoping that Ross is like give me give me the best eight position players like in this lineup um that lineup on Saturday, just we we can't be doing it. It's too tight of a division. I know guys got to get rest, uh, but you've got four teams like in the mix for the division. No one's running away with it. Only the Pirates are out and in the basement. Like you, you got to be trying to win every game, right? Um, there's, I know you got to rest guys, but there's not a lot of point in resting guys for later in the season for a deep run in the playoffs and things. That you got to get there first right? So you got to win games. So no more of what we saw on Saturday. Um, And then Brendan, you said that these two games at Wrigley are against uh, the Cleveland Indians. Is that what you said? Yes. Cleveland Indians. Uh, Have they played at Wrigley Field ever before? Yeah. You know, I'm trying to remember, you know, Corey, they did in 2016. Oh, you're right. You jogged my memory. That's what know, it is. It I was know. the World Series. That's what it was. Ah, yeah. World, World Series. Right, yes, correct. Right. Yes, I do remember that. Um, oh, okay. Interesting. Well, I'm sure that'll uh, yeah. bring back some fun memories for them. I mean, I guess yeah, they will. had a good record at Wrigley Field in that World Series. Unfortunately, winning yeah. more of the games at Wrigley Field in that series uh, didn't result in them winning the World Series, as that was won by the Win- Chicago Winning Cubs. the World Series, though. Yes. Yeah. Uh, by the Cubs, correct. People yes. forget that. Yeah, sometimes they yeah. do. Um, so anyway, uh, I think that's what we have for you. Just, uh, I, I think um, friend of the podcast, Jeff Everson on Twitter today, I think put it well, so I'm just giving him credit for articulating it this way. But this has been a an interesting stretch for this team. It's been a bit of a trying stretch at times. I know people are looking at the offense right now and freaking out. They're looking at the rotation right now, parts of it, and freaking out right now. But they're tied for first place. They have navigated uh, a lot of this schedule very well. They have not had an off day since the 10th of this month. So, you know, starting with that Cardinals series, they're playing straight through until the 22nd this last game against the Indians. They've swept some really good teams throughout this season. They've beaten some really good teams throughout this season. And the the way that uh, Jeff phrased things was just, it's been a tough stretch, but when you zoom out 
just zoom out a little bit from from where we are right now, it's all good. They're in a good spot. There's a lot of talent here. There's some clear stuff that needs to be addressed, whether it's with guys, you know, like Nico, like Justin Steele, etc., working their way back, Alzali coming back on Monday, of course. Um, and maybe they have to look outside and find some answers. But when you just zoom out from from the picture here, they're in a good spot. They've done a lot of good work in this season. And we knew, right? Don't forget, just because they're in first place, just because the vibes were great at certain times, we knew this was going to be somewhat of an up and down season. There was going to be some inconsistencies here. And the the idea was always that this division was going to be tight. But from day one, you know, in the off season to spring training, we never wavered, right? We knew it was going to be this way, but they were going to come out on top. That's where they are right now, even though they're tied. But it's where they are right now, and I think that's where they'll finish. They just got to figure out how to address a couple of these things. So I think that's what we have. We will talk to you uh, on Tuesday evening, Wednesday morning. Short couple games here, finish off this homestand, hopefully with a couple of wins, and then uh, a tough road trip. So we'll get prepared for that, but that that's sort of the end of it, right? So we're almost at the end of this stretch. Schedule lightens up. Guys should be coming back. Uh, but we'll talk to you after this Cleveland series. We'll enjoy the off day, and then we'll set up uh, a pretty big road trip for this team. So as always, we appreciate you guys listening, appreciate the support for the Cubs-related podcast. We will talk to you in a couple of days, and as always, go Cubs.